Oh, I like that. We're just having fun. We don't care who sees. We don't care who sees. So when we go out, that's how it's supposed to be. So what? It's Five Tool Podcast, and we're back. Killer Kyle, you good? <laughs> well, apparently I'm rehired. Well, we'll get to that. Black Josh, you good? <laughs> I'm good. Speaking of which, yeah, Kyle is no longer on suspension after his awful showing at the pizza parlor the other night. Where he uh, decided to eat his pizza with a uh, fork and a knife. Kyle, now, as part of your punishment, please explain yourself. Yeah, let me explain. Like, that pizza was hot as shit. And I didn't want to burn my hand. It's that simple. We were all eating the same pizza, and you were the only one who ate it with a knife and fork. I don't care. I was hungry. I didn't want to keep, I, I didn't want to burn my fingers, and you know what, occasionally, on occasion, I like to eat my pizza with a fork and a knife. I don't see the problem. It's, I, like, I don't, it's I, psychotic. I, I, I listened to the show um, I'm pretty the sure Jeffrey Dahmer ate his pizza with a knife and fork. I was driving in my car, listening to the show the next day, and I literally... Almost got into an accident because I was so appalled that you guys are so upset that I ate pizza with a fork and a knife. It's not that we're upset. I think it's more that we're concerned for your well-being and for your mental stability. You're a lot like Antonio Brown. I'm fine. I'm fine. (laughs) I feel like Antonio Brown is eating his pizza with a fork and a knife right now with his ankle bracelet on. You know what? Antonio Brown gets white women only. Yeah. White women only in 2020. I saw that. And then he got a white woman for a judge. Did he? Yeah, he did, didn't he? We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. He didn't sleep with it at all. No. He, no, probably not. Not, not, with, not with consent. Fuck no. But we'll get, we'll get to Antonio Brown a little later. That's right, we're back. Five Tool Podcast. Kyle is on suspension. He's got an ankle bracelet on for his pizza. Bullshit that he is going through. He's going through a hard time. We'll forgive him. We care about him. But we're back. Yeah, I might need. I might need to go to pizza rehab. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. That's all I, part of. I would go forced. I wouldn't go willing. Yeah. You have to drag me in there. What do you do with a deep dish? I hate deep dish. I won't even eat the shit. Uh, yeah, you need pizza rehab. All right. So let's talk a little bit of sports for this show, and then we'll get back to the pizza debate. And tell us on, on Facebook, people, do you guys eat your pizza with a fork and a knife, or do you eat it like a humane, civilized person? Yeah, why don't you guys stick up for me on Facebook, please? Paul Sype, Dan Doucette, with a, with the hard C. The hard C. Yes, it is. I know you guys are dying to talk about the Eli Manning thing, so let's get right to it. Eli Manning, we're going to make a case, I'm going to quick make a case for and against his Hall of Fame status, because that's what we're going to debate, whether or not Eli Manning should be a Hall of Famer. This is the only topic that we're going to talk about that every other sports show is talking about. He's, 
He's never been an MVP candidate. Yeah, I got a, li- a, a list of a few players who have a higher completion percentage than Peyton Man- I mean, than Eli Manning, and it's pretty alarming. Jameis Winston, Case Keenum, <laughs> Joe Flacco all have a higher completion percentage than him. Oh my God! Eli Manning finished what is it, one seventy one and one seventy one for his career. That's a five hundred winning percentage. That's behind Andy Dalton, Joe Flacco, and Matt Schaub. And in sixteen years as a quarterback, he only made it to four Pro Bowls. Donovan McNabb even made it to six. So I ask you guys: Is Eli Manning going to be a Hall of Famer? Kill a Kyle go. Oh, thanks for the lead. Um. It's awfully nice to you. I, I I never, ever, never, ever, ever agree with Skip Bayless. I can't stand his takes, but I listen to him all the time. It's weird. But this is the one time where I actually agree with Skip Bayless. And no, he's not a Hall of Famer. I I don't I don't I'm not buying it. All right. I'm not I'm not sipping the Eli apple juice here. Um, he won two Super Bowls, was Super Bowl MVPs in each one, and he deserved it. He made game-changing plays in both games. Uh, for some reason, he only wanted to be late in the Super Bowls, those two games. Um, but outside those two Super Bowls, there's nothing to write home about with Eli Manning. He threw a lot of interceptions. Uh, he wasn't. For a guy who came out of college, had supposedly had some mobility, couldn't move around very well. Um, not that accurate. He reminds me a lot of Jay Cutler, and Jay oh. Cutler's not in the Hall of Fame and won't be in the Hall of Fame. He'll be in the Packer Hall of Fame, but not the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So, yeah, I, I got a feeling he'll get in because of the Super Bowls, but... I don't personally believe he was good enough to be in the Hall of Fame. Black Josh, what do you think? Eli Manning Hall of Famer? I don't think so either. I I agree with Kyle. I think he was other than wow. those other than those two Super Bowl years, he was pretty much garbage. I I don't even know what else to say about it really. That's just I don't think there's any reason he should be in it. Well, I'm a little torn actually. Um, worst quarterbacks have gotten in statistically, um, and just a couple things that for the for the case for Eli Manning, like you, like you said, all right, we'll get there. Like you said, Kyle, he he did have two Super Bowl MVPs. Now there's only five players in history that have five that have two Super Bowl MVPs. That's Tom Brady who has four, Joe Montana has three, Bart Starr and Terry Bradshaw each had two, and Eli Manning. Um, Another another thing about Eli Manning, he, only nine players in history have led more regular season game-winning drives in history than Eli Manning, all Hall of Famers. He started 210 consecutive games. That's the third longest by a quarterback ever. And currently, right now, he's seven most, seventh most in yards of all time, and he's seventh most in completions and touchdown passes, led by only Hall of Famers in the top six. So those, are, those are all statistical cases. There were some seasons when he put up Pretty decent numbers, and yeah, he was good in those two Super Bowl games. And but the two Super Bowl runs, you ha- you can't you have to take into consideration the playoffs that came before those Super Bowls, and he was elite in those games too. But kind of a funny thing about kind of kind of a funny thing about Eli Manning, though he's only won he's only won 
playoff games and years that he's won the Super Bowl. He's never won one in a year that he didn't win the Super Bowl. You have to be good enough to make a Super Bowl. If you're good enough to make a Super Bowl, you're good enough to win the playoff games, which means he has to be at least to an elite caliber. And the most important stat of all, without Eli Manning, the Patriots have eight Super Bowls, and Tom Brady has eight Super Bowls. So, it's kind of, I mean, yeah, he doesn't have the wins, but we always say that, I mean, wins don't necessarily matter. It's about the stats, and his stats, seventh most in, most in yards, seventh most in completions, seventh most in touchdown passes, led by only Hall of Famers ahead of him. I mean, that's got to be good for something, doesn't it? No. Wrong. His stats are better than, his career stats are better than, you could say, Troy Aikman. That's not saying a lot. Killer Kylie, there. Say it again. I'm losing you. Um, what I was saying is, uh, like you mentioned, Troy Aikman earlier. You could argue that Eli Manning's stats are better than Troy Aikman's career stats. I'm sure his quarterback rating's higher all time. Yeah, I see. Now, I don't have an argument because I've been on the show supporting Troy Aikman as a Hall of Famer, so I can't. I can't argue that there. I just want to go back to what. To your point before, um, those playoff games that Eli played to get to the Super Bowl, both years he had to play Green Bay. In in Green Bay, I'm pretty sure. And, yeah, one was against Favre and one was against Rodgers. Um, Eli Manning did not win him that game. But, I mean, like in those Packer games in specific, the Packers gave them so many opportunities, Favre through picks, Rodgers, there were a lot of turnovers, um, there, there were a lot of other pieces that played well, especially that defense, like in 2007, when they had Michael Strahan, and Usi, and whatever his name is, and they had all, Justin Tuck, JPP. like they were, yeah, well, I don't think JPP was there in 07, but, he was there, yeah, they, he, was, he was there against Rodgers, yeah, he was. He was in 2012 or 2011. And he had all ten. One. He had all ten fingers then too. He did all have. All, <laughs> he didn't blow his finger off yet. Um, they had great defenses that definitely helped carry them to a Super Bowl. Eli Manning was just Eli Manning the whole time. You know, like you said in your opening. He never was an MVP candidate. Never did he have a season where he, like, stood alone or apart from all the other elite quarterbacks in the league. It was just Eli Manning. Just, ugh. Right. I get I get what you're saying. But, I mean, the fact that he, he does have two Super Bowl MVPs, that's got to count for something. He showed up in the biggest games possible. It does, and that's what's going to get him in. He's going to probably get in, and it's going to be because of that. It's hard to argue that. You're right. Threw a lot of interceptions, too. I'm going to give you my take. I, do, I think he will get in. First ballot, probably not. He's going to get in. Do I think he should get in? I think Eli Manning is about where you draw the line, either up or down. He's either like the minimum you need to be good to get in the Hall of Fame, or he's like the line, he's like right at the line where it's like, if you're not as good as Eli Manning, you don't deserve to be in. If you're better than Eli Manning, you can make a good case for the guy. But and even in even in the David Tyree helmet catch, that wasn't a good throw. That was a great catch. 
And there was yes. the there was the Mario Manningham catch too. Not a terrific throw. It was a game. It was a decisive play, but not the greatest throw. But it was just a great play by made by a receiver at the time, and in the biggest moment. And it, and such. So I mean, you could argue that he's clutch, or you could argue that his team was clutch. And yeah, that pass rush. Both of those Super Bowl years were the reasons they won. I think they scored 17 points in the in one of those Super Bowls. I mean, you can't say that 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 that's great stats. It was just good defense, kind of the way the Patriots won last year against the Rams. It was great defense. You can't give Tom Brady that MVP. You can't say he was the best player out there. So I agree with both of you guys, actually, that I don't think he should be in, but I do think he's going to make it in. And hopefully this is the last time we ever have to talk about Eli Manning on this show because yes, please, not a great open for the show, but it's something that needed to be talked about, and it's something that's all over the place, and I wanted to give our takes on it. Sticking with the NFL for a little bit, the Pro Bowl is going to try something different and in, in regards to kickoffs. So rather than having a kickoff, your uh, Team A, the team that scored, is going to have a chance to either just give their opponent the ball at their own 25-yard line or they're going to try this new thing as an alternative to onside kicks, which is you can take your take the ball at your own 25 and you, you get a fourth and 15. So you got one down to make a first down and then you can continue your drive. But if you give up, if you get an incompletion or if you get down before that 15-yard mark, you give the opponent the ball at that yard line. What do you guys think of this this rule change? I think it's very interesting. I think it's definitely a better alternative than onside kicks because ever since they changed the onside kick rule, we're in a place where, I mean, they almost it's almost impossible to pull off an onside kick anymore, and it's just not working, and the NFL clearly recognizes that. So what do you guys think about that? Go ahead, Kyle. Um, you know, to be honest, I don't really care enough about the Pro Bowl to even care about the rule changes. I think the Pro Bowl is a boring game. I, I'm really disappointed that a lot of players, like all the players that are in, don't take the game seriously. I, I understand there's a lot of star power in the game, like all the star power, and nobody wants to get hurt in the Pro Bowl and whatnot. But it's such a boring game to watch. Um, I, I I can't even remember the last time I watched a Pro Bowl. Um I don't know how you, I mean, I don't know how you fix this. I don't know how you gain viewers. I don't think making these, like I was saying to you guys before, this is very XFL-ish to me. Um, it's, it's out there. This is a big leap, and I think they're using the Pro Bowl as like a litmus test. Yeah, that's what it's um, for. I was, more, I was more asking about the rule because... This is a chance for the NFL to, to test a rule the way Major League Baseball tests things in the minor leagues. They don't have a minor league to test a rule, so they're, tra- they're testing it in the Pro Bowl to see how the players respond and to see how the fans respond to see if it's something they want to institute in regular season play. So the question was more regarding what you think of the, the potential rule change that could be coming to the NFL if this takes off in a, in a, in a good way, in a positive way. Yeah, and I guess I'm... Re- I'm- Responding to your question with a with another question, just like how do you gain more viewers? How do you gain more attraction to the Pro Bowl? Because as it is right now, even with this, I'm not going to watch it tomorrow. No, I'm probably not. You know, like I just don't care because I don't care because the players don't care. I don't think you the know, players should care. It's a pointless game. I don't even necessarily it, think the NFL should have an All Star game. 
It, yeah, it is. It, it's all it is is money. It's just a little extra revenue. Um, but I mean, Aaron Rodgers never plays. He was voted in, and he's not playing tomorrow. Why? Because he doesn't care. You know, player. It's, so, it's an unnecessary risk for these players to be taking in an unnecessary game. There's no risk though, because they don't even tackle. Which makes the game garbage. Which makes give. Which is even more of a point to not even have the damn thing. It makes it even super harder to watch. Yeah. Because they're not doing anything. They sell There's tickets. No... For, they're selling tickets for like fifty dollars to this thing to see stars play. Pat Mahomes will. Well, no, he wouldn't. But he was there last year. It's like there's some big stars. Lamar Jackson's going to be there, but people don't even want to go to be in. The, I mean, to be in the same room as the guy. They don't care enough because. You're not seeing anything in it. Exactly. So the whole rule changes. I mean, yeah, it sounds cool, but it it's it doesn't matter to me because I'm not gonna watch. You know, I'm still not gonna watch. I I honestly don't know what the NFL should do. I mean, besides folding it completely, I don't know what they can do to gain viewership because it's just such a dull game to watch. Okay, but. If the NFL likes the rule and brings it to regular season, what do you think of that? Yeah, what do you think of the actual rule? Say it becomes a rule in don't, three yeah, years. Don't worry about the Pro Bowl, just the rule itself. I, I don't really like the rule. I don't think, I think this, the old antage, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, comes it into play here. It is, like, it is I, broke. Onside kicks don't well, work anymore. Yes, they do. Are you kidding me? I think like three or four have been converted all year. That's the point. That's the point. They're supposed to be challenging because you're not supposed to get the ball twice in a row. Like, you, it has to be challenging. Like, And onside kicks are very challenging. I mean, yeah, there, there is not a high percent. I mean, it's a single-digit percentage of actual conversions with onside kicks. But that's the way I think it should be. Well, it, because you oh, said, go ahead. You said if it if it ain't broke, don't fi- fix it. Well, they just changed the the onside kick rule two years ago, so to where you have to line guys up on both sides when you used to be able to line guys up on one side. But because of injuries, they changed the rules, so now guys are being lined up on both sides. And even the NFL realizes that the the percentage is so low that it kind of takes the whole point of even having an onside kick away. So that's why they're planning on making this change. The when Brandon Bostick messed up that play, when he, was, when he wasn't supposed to go for the ball and Jordy Nelson was supposed to get it in the NFC Championship, that was when guys could all line up on one side and we had a chance. Now it's like the best chance you have is to kick the ball as hard as you can at a player and hope he doesn't catch it. That's where a lot of skill comes into play because you, if you kick the ball the right way, you can get enough arc and spin to actually retrieve the ball it's not impossible and i like that because when when teams do get it back it's one of those wow moments like holy shit you know and i like feeling that in a football game so i don't i don't even with lining guys on both sides i i like that I, i i don't necessarily think it's bad black josh what do you think about the this this uh idea for the rule change for kickoffs I love it. I, I'm totally against having kickoffs anyways. I think it's absolutely retarded and dumb. Because 99% of them are touchbacks anyways. 
Well, that's because they moved it up, though. Right. It is because they moved it up because yeah. they're trying to prevent injury. The NFL doesn't want kickoffs anymore either. They're trying to do away with them. Just like the XFL. But I also don't Special... think there should be punts or anything. Punts? Oh, my gosh. I, I still agree with punts. No, nope, none of it. Because at least punts, I mean, it takes skill for the punter to put a ball in a certain spot, even if he's just kicking it out of bounds. But kickoffs, yeah, they become basically a moot point unless you're running a squib kick or an onside. Special teams is what makes football football. It is a vital part of the game. I, It's so unique. It it's so vital, so crucial. It can it can change games just like that. Um, it, you know what else could change I, games just like that? Is starting at your own twenty five with a fourth and fifteen. Yeah. For the chance to have another drive. But that's college shit, ain't it? Like, doesn't that remind you of college a lot? No. It reminds me of XFL actually, because college doesn't do that, but the XFL is gonna be doing it. You know what? The XFL is innovative. No, but this isn't? (laughs) (laughs) But it shouldn't be. It's the NFL. It's... It's been around forever, like it's tradition. Like, but but the NFL's so untraditional. It's the, it's a completely different game than it was twenty years ago. It's a completely well, different game than it was five years ago. I'm NFL is they're always changing rules. I mean, we we have a we have a ridiculous pass interference challenge now. That's yeah. just yeah, that stupid. I, I don't like that at all. Um. Okay, this is the... Because you're not trusting the refs with that. Like, you're basically saying the refs aren't good enough to do their job, so you can challenge. And most of the time, the refs were just ignoring it anyways this season. Like, almost throughout the entire regular season, there was... It took a while for one to even get overturned, and it didn't even start... Play calls didn't even start to get overturned more until late in the season, and then you saw a couple of them here and there. Even then, it wasn't a lot. Um, Yeah, it was like mid-season when the first one was actually overturned. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's bizarre. Yeah, it's absolutely bizarre. The okay, so I actually enjoy the idea of this rule. I'd like to see it implemented maybe in preseason and to see how real players and not just Pro Bowl players respond to it. Um, but the only time I I think that it's really going to be ineffective is when you have an offense like the Chiefs. Okay, so the Chiefs kick off. I mean, they get say the beginning of the game starts. They get downfield, score a touchdown. Then they run this weird onside kick, fourth and fifteen play, and then they keep the ball, get that first down, keep going downfield, score another touchdown, do it again because they're such an efficient offense that they could just go over and over and over, and then the other team would never get to possess the ball. <laughs> it, well, then it'd be just like yeah. then it'd be just like overtime. Yeah, it'd just be like overtime. So then the Chiefs could run up a 56 nothing score in the first half before the other team even gets a chance to get the ball. I love it. <laughs> and you guys like that? I don't know. I mean, I do. I'd like to see it implemented and to see how it works. But yeah, when you have such a high power offense like the Chiefs per se, if they were playing like the Dolphins or the, the Bengals of this season, like, yeah, that other team would never get a chance to even possess the ball. See, but that's, there's no, you no. I don't agree with that at all because you can't tell me that every single time they're going to get it on a 4th and 15. It's not like it's a 4th and 1 or a 4th and 2. You can't really just run it. No, but Pavel Holmes, Tyreek Hill can get down the field and throw a bomb and then you go. Then you got another drive. Well, then, you know. Be better. Then it's going to come down to more defense. 
Right. Well, that's the, how, that's the problem we have with the overtime Because now you're going to need more time to be able to throw it 15 yards, and that'll give the defense more time to get to the quarterback. So it's not going to be just because it's Patty Mahomes doesn't mean he's going to get it every fucking time. Just about every fucking time. No. No chance. Not a fourth and 15. That's what goads do. Or they'll draw they'll draw pass interference 20 yards down the field. <laughs> get an automatic first down. Well, I mean, that's... That's football. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how this plays out. I almost, I, I can almost guarantee if this goes well at the Pro Bowl or if the players respond to it well, we're going to probably see it in the preseason again. There is another rule they're trying with a uh, receiver in motion. or uh, We're not even going to talk about it. It's some offside rule. doesn't matter. But I want to keep it on football again. I just want to add, I think if they do implement that rule, they'll probably end up putting some sort of I could see him putting some sort of limit on how yeah. many times you could go for it. Yeah. Because, yeah, otherwise, it, really, a team could potentially. Like, if it was the Niners against Green Bay in that game, we would have never gotten possession oh of that ball. Oh, my God. Because Mostert would have just kept running for first downs every time they got that fourth and 15, and we wouldn't have been able to do shit. Wrong. Geronimo Allison would have left the stadium to smoke a big, fat blunt. Yeah, with, with Zedarius. God, oh. <laughs> don't get me started. I'm so upset with Geronimo Allison right now. Still. Just him? What about, um, in what particular, about, yeah. What about Mike Patton? I, I can... In- no, I'm okay with him. I, do you want me to indulge my Geronimo Allison bullshit? Yeah, send it, send it. I watched um, this old... Uh, former quarterback J.T. O'Sullivan. He's a no-name. He was never good. Whatever. He sucked as a quarterback. But he does this, like, podcast show. Um, But it's like a YouTube thing. So I was watching this this week, and he was breaking down all the the Packer turnovers. And uh, Geronimo Allison is involved with every one of them. Um, The first... Even the butt fumble? Well, I mean the the throws, um, not the butt fumble, no. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! The the first Rogers pick in the championship game, it was a pass to Allison. Allison was running a streak on the left. Rogers threw the ball. Allison never looked behind him to see that the ball was coming. So as Rogers threw it. Allison keeps running downfield. He has no idea if football's coming. And one of the safeties picked it off. It, I, I'm pretty sure, I'm fairly confident that it wasn't a bad throw from Rodgers. It was Geronimo Allison not running the right fucking play. And then, not only that, the second pick, now this is later in the game, the Packers are actually close. I think they were down two two touchdowns at this point. That's not close. Rodgers, it was as close as they were going to get. Rodgers went for it on like a third or fourth down. He threw a bomb. He was going for Allison, and it was, or he was going for somebody, one of those bums, and it was picked off by Sherman, and it pretty much sealed the game. I mean, for real. There was only like five minutes left at that point. Yeah, I mean, there was no chance after that. Richard Sherman caught the ball, and then he ran about five yards and just fell down because there was no point in running. When he fell down, he had his arms spread out, right? Like he was, like, celebrating. He had the football 
in his palm of his right hand, his arms are spread out. This fucker, Geronimo Allison, nobody touched Sherman, so it's a live ball. Even with him laying down with his arms wide open, it's a live ball. Fucking idiot Allison tags him. He just forces two hands on his leg. It was the dumbest play of the game because he could have, instead of tagging him, he could have just swatted the ball because the ball was completely exposed. He's laying down at like the 10-yard line. He could have swatted the ball, grabbed it, scored a touchdown with five minutes or whatever to go. They're only down by a touchdown at that point. But he is so, has such a low football IQ because he's always fucking high that he just tagged him, didn't even look at the ball. Um, I think it's oh. safe to say we were down by more than a touchdown at that point. I think we were down by at least two scores. There was only five minutes remaining in the game, and I don't think there was any more scoring after that. So at they that were point, down, they we were must... down 15. 15 swats... with five minutes left. That game was right, over. If... Rob, Butch, <laughs> if he swats the ball and gets the touchdown, they're only down by seven or eight points. They can, they could even kick the ball off to him if they hold them. They get the ball back. They could tie the game. Not if they it was fucking a game changer. All they'd have to do is hand the ball off to Moser. Our defense could do nothing against them. We were down by twenty-four nothing at the half. I love that you're trying to blame it all on Geronimo Allison, but Mike Patton has some blame. The entire defense has to take some blame, and the uh, whole the whole coaching staff, we were, our analytics department, needs to take some blame. We, we were, were the, not. They were. We're not in the same league as San Francisco. Not in the same you're league. Right. You're right. They were the much better team. Our defense was slow as shit. Um, Blake Martinez will not be coming back, yep. and I couldn't be happier about it. I, I'm not a fan. He's a great guy, a really nice guy, but he is slow. And Yeah, he gets he gets all the tackles on the team five yards after the guy gets you know passes the line of scrimmage. He's, he's never awful. hitting guys at the line. Yeah, he's, he's awful. I don't, know what games, I don't know what games you guys have been watching, but you're both fucking blind. I mean, I, I think Martinez is good, but I think it's important that we get a bet, we get some better linebacking cores for that team. I, I, I think that's definitely the case. He's too slow. He's too slow, period. All right, moving on. I, I want to talk about the NFL as a whole Sorry. a little bit more before we move on because there's another take I wanted to get to. A couple years ago, I think it was Jerry Jones proposed an 18-game schedule. Now, I saw something on TV today that the NFL is considering going to 17 games with two bye weeks. What do you guys think of a 17-game schedule with two bye weeks? And my proposal, as a secondary question, is what if we go to 18 games, two bye weeks, no preseason? What do you guys think? Kyle, what do you got? I like the idea of no preseason. Actually, I, I, th- this, this proposal is enticing. It's attractive, at, at least to a fan like me. Because again, preseason games, uh, nobody's canceling their their night to watch a preseason game. Um, people give away tickets. Like the preseason's dull. Aaron Rodgers didn't play a single snap last year in the preseason. Right so, so that's not what preseason's for. I understand that it's to evaluate the young talent and whatnot. But Rodgers was rusty the first couple weeks, and it 
had a little bit to do because he didn't take any snaps in the preseason. He had a new head coach, new offensive scheme. He should have played something, I think. He should have played a drive here and there. Um, but, um, yeah, an 18-game season, two bye weeks, that's that, that's kind of sexy. Like, that sounds sexy, right? Like, Yeah, let's say regardless, think- regardless of the preseason thing, I think – I love the idea of expanding the schedule because then you get football either in August or you get it to March. You know, you got a Super Bowl late February, early March. That takes us right into baseball. I love that idea. Wait, wait, wait. That cuts into the XFL, though. I don't know. Yeah, but nobody else cares about the XFL. The XFL will be done by next season. Oh, don't you dare. The XFL will last more than a year. I'll put money on it. We'll put money on it. Black Josh, what do you think of expanding the schedule? And that as a first question in secondary, if or if not, we were, I want to hear your preseason take. Um, I don't think they should get rid of preseason altogether. But Cut it down to maybe two games. I can see them cutting it down to two games and then expanding the season to 18 games with two bye weeks. I like it. Yeah, I like it too. It gives the players a little extra time to rest. And we get more football. And then it's it's an expanded season, which makes it more like baseball, where you have a bigger sample size, and the cream of the crop will even more truly rise to the top. And everybody wants more football, but we don't want more injuries. So I think adding the extra bye weekend is a huge benefit. Another proposal I heard once was you expand it to 18 games, and each player has to sit out one game, be it injury or not. But then you don't get the best talent playing, you know, a full season. They'd have to sit out one game mandatory. Yeah, I don't like that. That one I don't like as much. No, definitely not. But I think they're going to have a really hard time getting the players union to agree to expand it all, even be it 17 or 18, because the players are already going through 10 car crashes a game. You know, the linemen beating up their bodies. You got guys retiring at 29, 28. You know, Luke Keekley, you got Andrew Luck retiring at 29. So it's going to be awful hard for the players union to agree to that because, I mean, 16 games is rough. For these hey, guys real quickly, through. real quickly, let me chime in. Have you guys seen the Aaron Hernandez Netflix special? No, I, w- I want to see it really bad. I might go and listen to the, the podcast one because I don't have TV, but I may go and listen to the podcast special because that's I want to see it real bad. I'll I'll save my take for after you guys watch it. Check it out. We gotta talk about this because uh, it it it's something. <laughs> it's something. Yeah, it's interesting that when the whole the whole Aaron Hernandez thing it was in the national media, but it wasn't covered very well by the national media. So it, a lot of people's eyes are being opened to who Aaron Hernandez was, his homosexuality, uh, <laughs> the, the stuff he was saying from prison. I mean, all sorts. The guy was. I mean, he's very much. I think a, a, a victim of CTE at a very young age, and I think that that could explain a lot of this. I'm pretty sure he also ate his pizza with a knife and fork. Yeah, yeah, he's probably eating. Yeah, he probably ate his pizza with a knife and fork in prison too. Oh, whatever. <laughs> so, all right. Hey, yep. they do cover uh, the CTE topic. Okay. Uh, a little bit, and that's kind of where I was going with that. There's a uh, uh, a former Wisconsin linebacker, Chris Borland. I don't know if you guys know who he is. Um, He was a really good talent. He was a great linebacker at Wisconsin. He got drafted in an early round by San Francisco, I think, four years ago or whatnot. And he retired after his rookie season. Um, And it's something you you 
like never see in professional sports is somebody retire after one year, like completely retire and walk away from the game. And he walked away because he he found out how I mean deadly this game can be, and that CTE is very real, and it just keeps attacking players. And we've seen how many suicides. You know, so Junior it's Sale, a topic. Man. Junior Sale, Mike Webster, another Wisconsin guy. Um, the list goes on and on, and it's real. And I would love to talk more in depth about this sometime. Yeah, me too. I, and uh, it makes me wonder, like, 20, 20 years from now, will there be an NFL? Or will the NFL be as we know it? Will there be tackle football in 20 That's years? That's a real question. It's a real question, and the NFL has to take it very seriously. And that's why I don't know if this expanded season will ever happen. And, yeah, it's something they have to keep a close eye on, and they have to do a better job of evaluating players. And the most unfortunate thing about CTE is there's no way to diagnose it until you cut a guy's brain open. So there's no way to diagnose it and other than symptoms, and you can't even diagnose it until somebody's already passed on and has gone through the, the detrimental effects of the disease. And it's really unfortunate that... And it's something we need to take seriously as fans, and it's something the NFL needs to take seriously as an, or- an organization. And that's why we shouldn't be upset when players retire at a young age. We should be celebrating the fact that they made a lot of money in their short amount of time that they played because it is deadly, and, and I don't hold anything against any guys who retire early because, I mean, this, that's their their livelihood, but it's also their their lifestyle and the and their quality of life for the rest of their life. I mean, you could suffer damage that... That lasts thirty years of nonstop suffering as a result, and it's 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 awful, and it's a very real thing. So speaking of CTE and speaking of uh, the way that football can affect your brain chemistry, uh, let's talk a little bit of, about Antonio Brown and his recent arrest. So on Friday, he was released on a hundred ten thousand dollar bail after spending a night at a Florida jail. After turning himself in, he was charged with burglary and battery. So the ba- the story basically goes like this. Um, he was having a bunch of his stuff delivered from California to his Hollywood, Florida home. And the, the truck driver said that Antonio Brown had to pay his $4,000 for the delivery fee. And Antonio Brown didn't want to pay. And so Antonio Brown and his trainer then proceeded to, to kind of attack the guy and start taking stuff out of the back of the truck and... The guy was like, oh, some of this stuff doesn't belong to you. So then they were throwing shit into the truck. They took some stuff. So, and then they beat the shit out of the guy, essentially. And first his trainer was arrested. And then the next day, Antonio Brown went and turned himself in. So conditions of his bond um, are he has to surrender all his weapons and ammunition. He has GPS monitoring, ankle bracelet. He has, and he has to agree to mental health evaluation and random drug testing. What's kind of weird about this whole thing is he got charged with burglary and battery, yet his bond was $110,000. Have you guys ever heard of a bond that high for, bur- for that kind of a charge? $110,000. High-profile celebrity. High-profile celebrity. Do you think that was... Knowing he's a flight risk. Could it? Yeah, knowing he's a flight risk. But he did turn himself in, which should be taken into account in a situation like this. I also think maybe the bond was so high was because just like a month previous to this, he was on Instagram talking shit to cops. So I think that probably had something to do with it. And the no white women thing, Kyle, that you mentioned. He had a white woman judge. And they set this bail astronomically for this guy. He 
was also in a suicide smock. Yeah, he was in the turtle suit. He was in the turtle suit. So I wonder what happened after he got arrested. The guy clearly has men- mental health problems, and that's kind of what I want to talk about with him. Is this good for Antonio Maybe Brown? He's just an idiot. Maybe he's just an idiot, but maybe he's just a hothead. But that that if if you're that that much of a hothead, there's something going on deeper than you're just a hothead. I mean, this guy's had a rough life. He was homeless at age 16, sleeping in a car when he was in high school. I mean, he didn't have the easiest well, life. Well, that's an ego thing. Maybe he's just very egotistical. It's I'm fucking Antonio Brown. I don't need to fucking pay you to bring me my shit, bitch. Right. And he has, he's never had himself held accountable. And this is with the all the sexual allegations that he's got against him. Um, in the Just in the month of December, he had eight... He had the cops come to his house 18 different times for different, like, noise complaints, what have you, disorderly conducts, different stuff. This guy's had nothing but problems, I mean, for the last year and a half. In the last year and a half, he's been in the media every single day for different troubles and stuff, and no, nobody's been able to hold him accountable, not even the prospect of his career being ruined. So I, I ask you guys, is this good for Antonio Brown that he's finally getting some mental health evaluation? Kyle, I'll take this to you. Yeah, I think he might have CTE, yeah. to be honest. Um, he took a, a couple years back with the Steelers, he took a really big hit from, uh, what's that dude's name? Oh, he's, uh, a, he's a scumbag, Vontae Burfett or something. Burfett. Yeah, he smacked him up big time, and, you know, he really hasn't been the same ever since. He's had quite a year. I mean, from being signed by Oakland to... In Oakland, he was having, he got like frostbite on his toes from yeah, some weird shit. He, cryogenic, he was in the tra- cryogenic chamber and he right, got frostbite and, on his toes in Oakland. <laughs> and then there was the helmet thing where he didn't want to get a new helmet and it was this big drama. And then he got cut out of nowhere. Then he went to New England and like you think, okay. New England is either going to shape him up, or if he doesn't get shaped, you know, like if he doesn't get his shit together there, then what the fuck? And he didn't. He only lasted two weeks. He had one good game for them against Miami. Yeah. Um, but then ever since his release, it's been nothing but drama. Well, I mean, even before and that, the reason they released him is because of the sexual assault cases. So, I mean, this was happening previous to New England. Isn't that kind of ironic? Um, since Robert Kraft is kind of a creepy old man that gets hand jobs behind the counter at massage parlors. Yeah, I don't. But he wasn't assaulting anybody. I get, I get it. But yeah, Robert, I get, I get the correlation. The Robert Kraft is a creepy. Kraft doesn't have to because he has all the money in the world. He can pay these women to shut up. He could. Yeah, I, that's, yeah. that's that's an interesting case. But either way, yeah, I I think. You know, Antonio Brown's taken a lot of physical abuse in the NFL. Like, he's taken some big-time hits. He's had concussions. He's, you know, his body's taken a beating in the NFL. And I, I don't think it's a far stretch to say he he could possibly have CTE and some serious brain damage from football. Uh, it's not far-fetched. Yeah, and this is not to forgive anything he's ever done because there's a lot of cases that are still against him that have yet to be... It's just like Aaron Hernandez. You know, no one's going to forgive him for murdering 
all those people because he had CTE. You know, like that's not an excuse to go out and and commit crimes, right? Right. No, not at all. But it's a way to maybe get to the deeper root of it. I think the conditions of his bond are valid. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's a good. It's a good thing for him that he's forced to get evaluated and treated, hopefully, um, and, and hopefully become a better person out of this and come back to the NFL because dude, dude's a baller. He is a baller. Like he, he is an elite receiver. He is good. And the NFL needs him. You know? Yeah, in his last three years that he played, he was definitely the best receiver in football. Um, so, yeah, I think it's good for him that he's forced to get help because the people around him clearly haven't been pushing him in the right directions, and if they have, he's only been pushing them away. Josh, what do you think about Antonio Brown? And and I, I guess I'll ask you first, do you think he'll ever play in the NFL again after all this? Right now he's on the commissioner's exempt list, so even if he tried, he's going to have to face the music with Goodell first. Do you think he'll ever play in the NFL again? I I don't think he's going to play again in the NFL just because all the shit that's been going on lately is just more and more hurting his case with all this shit that comes out. Yeah, it's kind of snowballing and getting worse and worse, yeah. right? So by the time by the time he gets the help he might need, it's going to be too late for him. Right, and cuz I mean he ain't getting any younger. So yeah. I just, I don't see him coming back. As for the rest of the shit, I can't say that it's all because of this whatever shit, because from what I can remember, he's been hot-headed and egotistical since day one of the NFL. Because, I mean, he is a good receiver, and you can't deny that. Right. But just because you're uh just because you're the best receiver in the world doesn't mean you got to be an asshole to everybody and everybody fucking owes you everything, you know what I mean? Right. And that's that's like that's the attitude that you get from him. So, you know, being in, you know, Pittsburgh and all that shit probably didn't help him. Cuz then it was always what? The 3 Bs, Roethlisberger, fucking Brown and fucking um, Bell. So, you know, he was the one of the faces of the fucking Pittsburgh, so that just made his head get bigger. Yeah, and everyone telling him he's the best at what he does. Yeah. And, yeah, if he, if he does have some mental illness. And it, he, he's clearly had that idea that idea about himself that I'm untouchable, and it finally came to a fruition when you saw him standing in that smock before the judge where he's like, shit, maybe I'm not untouchable. You could kind of see that look on his face where, like, damn. You know, he finally had to, he had to for the first time ever, probably... In his entire career, he's had to sit in a cell. No no social media to back him up and tell him he's great. Nobody's sitting there telling him he's great. He had to actually sit alone with his... He actually had to sit alone with his thoughts probably for the first time in many years. Where he had to kind of take a look at his life for the first time. And this could be really good for him. And I hope he gets the help he needs. And I hope he moves on from this. But I'm going to ask you guys, and I'm going to shoot this one to you, Kyle, first. Would you, If he were to come back, would you want him on your team? I'd love to have him on the Packers. Honestly, if he was, if he was like, if he was medic, like mentally stable, um, kind of proven that he can be a mature 
uh, I hate to say a productive, responsible member of society. <laughs> um, God, he, he would be, he's a game changer. And like a team like Green Bay could really use an Antonio Brown. So, yeah. I don't know. With the sexual assault charges, I wouldn't want him on my team. The Packers are supposed to be this family organization that's run by the members of the community. I don't think they'd ever take him. Probably not, but he would be phenomenal alongside Devontae Adams. I mean, right. come on. But football he, is just perfect. Football is just football. Life is life. Yeah. yeah, I get it. And I don't, I don't know if you could, I don't know how many teams would be willing to take that risk either. Like, even if he does go get his mental health checked out and he, you know, he starts acting like a normal person, that's not to say that once he gets back into the limelight and his head gets big again, he doesn't go right back to the shit. Yeah. And there's two, like, those charges, specifically the sexual assault charges, the rape case, the other sexual assault with that same woman, and then jerking off on that girl's back, the artist that was at his house. Yeah, that was weird. That's, I mean, that's some stuff that, like... Yeah, but, you know what? Right. No charges have come across. I mean, there's nothing has been settled in court, so it's hard for me to, to discuss it like that. But multiple allegations are bigger than one. It's it's easier to explain one or to turn that you know discredit one. But when you got three, it's a little harder to discredit. I think. I and I don't though. That's the, I don't think it's hard to discredit that. You got to think. People nowadays are looking to do or say whatever they can to get free money. That's all it is. With most of this shit, probably. Probably not all of it, but probably 90 fucking percent of it is full-on bullshit. You mean, to, you mean to tell me that this guy had all the time in the world to have his dick completely out and jerk off on this lady's back and she never once noticed? It's I'm hard. not buying it. It's hard to say, man. I mean, just based on his mental health track record and, and the, the other stuff going on around him, it's easier for me to believe that he did than not. I agree. Like, it, there's a lot. I mean, everything gets twisted in the media. Nobody really knows how that all went down. And trust me, a lot of players in professional sports do dumb, stupid shit um, and get away with it. So he got caught. And because he's Antonio Brown and because he he has put himself out there to be this big like, what do you want to call it? Just a a, so, a a walking soap opera, you know? And he ga- garnishes all this crazy attention. Like, you know, you, you just don't know what's real, what's hyped. It's tough to say. Right. Well, I want to keep on this mental health topic. I want to expand on Antonio Brown. Like I've been saying for a while, I would like to do an entire show on him because there's so much to dissect there, and I really want to get to the nitty-gritty of it, but we, we only have just about an eight to nine minutes left, and I want to focus on the Delonte West thing, because this is something that I know you and me, Kyle, have been wanting to talk about for a little while, and it's... This is not enough time to talk about Delonte West. It's not enough time to really elaborate on it, but let's just talk a little bit about it. So just on January 20th, um, a video on Twitter came out where the former NBA star, or former NBA player, was being beaten on the streets of D.C., and apparently... Deon, or Delante said someone came up to him with a gun while he was walking down the road 
And there was a report that he actually was the one who initiated contact with swinging a bottle at a guy and started it. The guy's had no- nothing but troubles. He was once found in September 20, 2009 with a, with a pistol, a uh, Ruger, and a shotgun. Um, he, there was a point in two, 2011 during the NBA lockout when he was working at a carpet store. He applied at a Home Depot as well. Then a little later on, people were saying that he was sleeping on the streets and panhandling. There's a lot going on here. Kyle, I want you to break down Delonte West a little bit. The guy's had nothing but problems after being one of the higher-paid players in the NBA. What do you got? Yeah, oh my gosh. Um, I, I watched that video, and I couldn't even recognize him. He looks nothing like the NBA player that I remember watching on TV. It, it's just a bizarre transformation in all the wrong ways. Um Delonte West was a good basketball player. He contributed to a lot of really good teams that were contenders. Like, he was a big piece to that. Um, But, yeah, his personal life, like, his thug life, like, whatever he's, however he grew up or whatever he's accustomed to to as normal, um, got the best of him. And, you know, you alluded to a couple of these instances but there's a lot more that he's done and has been through that's just so bizarre for it just i i don't understand how uh, a man who becomes a professional sports figure makes millions of dollars doing something that all of us think of as a hobby right and makes a career out of it and then just throws it all away and we've seen a lot of players do this but not like Delonte West I mean he it's sad it's sad where he's at right now I like I said I didn't recognize him in the video looks he looks nothing like he used to um and my my big question is should the NBA step in does the NBA owe him anything you know, do they do they offer a helping hand to get this guy back on his feet? Well, the reports that I've I, that's the question that I was wondering when I was doing this research, and uh, the NBA has made a statement that yes, they do reach out to players, they offer players the help they need, but if a player refuses, they can't do anything beyond that. And true. And his agent says, or his former agent says, he has a full support network, and the NBA has offered to help. But if Delonte is turning it down, be it because of his bipolar diagnosis or what? He's 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 being he's becoming a he's become a recluse and he's he's not taking on the help that's being offered to him or at least according to reports. So yeah, that's that's what the question I was wondering too is does the NBA step in? But they can't physically force him to take him to treatment. Black Josh, what do you think about the Delonte West case? I think it's sad. I mean, to go from an NBA star to living on the streets—that's just downright sad. I don't, you know. Yeah, and it's like, I assume drug use, but there's been no reported drug use for him. The only thing I've seen is this bipolar disorder, and and I, I understand that to a, to a point, but to this point where people are offering him help and he's turning it down, that's that's what scares me the most for him, that if he, he, no one can do anything unless 
There's got to be more than just bipolarness going on there. Right. In my opinion. And in, in terms of throwing all his money away, I just want to throw the stat out there. Sports Illustrated did a report, and they said that 60% of all former NBA players will go bankrupt after leaving the NBA at some point. It's not uncommon that agents take advantage of them along the way. They make bad business decisions. Um, they don't get the education and, and training they need to, to take care of their funds and to take care of the money that they're earned. And then people take advantage of them along the way. And it's, a, it's really heartbreaking because, but it, it could ha- I mean, it just shows that life can happen to anyone no matter what end of the spectrum you're on. Life can happen whether you're, whether you're rich and famous or not. Yep. Yeah, it like oh, this is so tough. There, I he looked like he was on meth in that video that went viral. Like he looked like he was on crack or meth or some kind of upper because dude was talking. You couldn't even understand any English coming out of his mouth. Like it, it's got there's got to be drugs related into this. Or perhaps schizophrenia. Yeah. Or that, a lot, yeah, uh, some kind of actual disease. But you would think that that would have been, like, wouldn't have that have been disclosed when he was playing? Like, well, wouldn't... Uh, th- in the case of schizophrenia, often it begins as bipolar, and I, I've, I've done a little research on, on my own with this and listened to shows about it, and schizophrenia doesn't usually start to take hold until you're about 25 years old when your prefrontal cortex is fully developed. So, I mean, it could have been starting in his playing years, but been suppressed because he was so focused on this one singular thing, and then he got out of the, the league, and then maybe then it, it expounded more, and maybe there was drugs to, to aid that along in, in getting worse and worse. And I'm sure methamphetamine, like you alluded to, which it, it, I agree, he looks like he's on some sort of upper that's... Because he's, he's got no weight to him. He's skin and bones. He looks like a mess. Yeah. So it could be a combination of factors, but... God, I hope somehow along the way that he gets picked up in the similar way Antonio Brown did and gets some help. It's, it's the only way he's going to get better, right? Yeah, but he's so far different. Like, his situation's way different than Antonio Brown. I I think Antonio Brown, like, suffered an injury from the sport. No. I don't think Delonte West... This is something that he was born with. Right. Like, you know, it, it's tough. It, it is, like Josh said, it's so sad. It's sad to see people, guys that have had it all. Like, you couldn't ask for anything more in life. And to just throw it away and become lower than than the average guy. Like, it's, it's heartbreaking. Right. It really is. Yeah, it's very heartbreaking, and unfortunately in situations like this, it takes a rock bottom before someone can climb him up, and I'd really hate to see how low this rock bottom could be for Delonte West. It could be him assaulting somebody or doing something really horrific or something really worse than just getting his ass beat that could get him into a hospital to where medical evaluators can can take a good look at him in his situation. Um, we're sorry we had to end this episode on a somber note, but unfortunately that's the way life is a lot of times. Life isn't all just fun and games. I know this podcast, we like to joke around a lot, but life is life is tough for a lot of people out there, and, and we want people to know that, I mean, we're going to talk about the serious topics on here too because life isn't always fun and happy, and sports isn't always fun and happy. There's a lot of serious things that could happen to these players, and, and they're human beings too, just like us. So just because they have fortune and fame does not keep them from the 
the negativities that that life possesses. So with that note, thanks for listening to the show, everyone. We'll be back next Wednesday for a new show, Five Tool Podcast. We love you. Listen and subscribe on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and everyone, don't widen the plate. Thanks. Compton soon. I gotta get drunk before the day begins. Before my mother starts bitching about my friends. About to go and damn near went blind. Young man.